Thank you, peeps. Thank you, peeps. Smells like my mom's house up here. This is usually outside of her window, but now it's here where I'm preaching. So thank you, mom, for that. Uh, if I start reminiscing, you know why. It's because of this. Um, now, we are kicking off this series, and if you've been with us uh, even last year, goodness gracious, there's people all the way out there. Well, hello, hello, hello. Um, I'm preaching for you guys at the back, double portion for you at the, in the overflow section over there. Uh, yeah, so um, if you were here last year, you will have uh, be, been here for our In His Image series, which was about how God made us male and female in His image. Because He designed us, He gets to define us. And uh, we're actually carrying on that conversation because the fact that God made us in His image means that as God is a, our God is a God of relationship, He designed us for relationships. And that also means that God hasn't left us clueless as to walk it out. He's given us instruction. And He's given us instruction, not only that we might be obedient, but that we might be a display of Jesus as we walk through those relationships. And so this series, that's why it's called Friends and Other Relationships, All Our Relationships, A Display of Jesus. Now, depending on which relationships you have in your life and which stage of life you're in right now, you might be tempted to say, okay, cool, let me know in marriages, I'm not married, so I'm going to skip that one, or I'm married, uh, tell me when the unmarried one is, that doesn't apply to me. Can I encourage us to lean into every single week for a few reasons? Number one, because this is a preach series about God's design. You have relationships with these people, and you want to help people walk in God's design. And so for the motive that you want to be an assistance to them to walk out what God has designed for them in their relationships, take notes because there's tools you'll get for them. Number two, you might not be in that relational stage now, but now is a good time for you to take note of what God's Word says for you in that stage. You might head towards marriage and you want to take notes of what God says about it. If you are married, you probably will be single one day if not for the simple reason that unless you and your partner that you're married to die on the same day, you will be single. And so no matter what relational stage you're in, there's probably something in the future that you can prepare for. And number three, and this is my most important reason to my mind, this is God's Word. Sharper than a double-edged sword. When we open God's Word, even though this might not be in your wheelhouse right now, we will learn things about God Himself. We will learn as we talk about marriage that marriage points towards the way Jesus loves the church. When we learn about parenting, we actually learn about the Father heart of God. There is deep revelation that comes when we open God's Word. So don't sell yourself short. Tune in for the whole series because I guarantee it will be a blessing to you. That being said, this week one is an easy one because it's on friendship. It's on your BFFs. So this one applies to all of us. And uh, as we look at friendship, you may not know this, friendship's actually in a state of decline right now. If you look at the stats up behind me, you'll notice the study that was done in the States in the 1990s with this group of people, only three people said they don't have any friends compared to the same group of uh, the same selection, 12 people in 2021 saying they don't have any friends. Look to the bottom, it's cut off for you. Uh, in, in 1990s, 33 people said they have more than 10 friends versus only 13 people in 2021. In this same study, uh, it's people that had more friends were 70% more likely to say that they're happy. In the same study, uh, those, the people that said they feel unsupported by friends are triple in 2021 what they were in 1990s. So what we have is what's one sociologist, that's a, a person that studies people groups, has called the death of friendship. 
We're living in an era which has forgotten values and wisdom about friendship. And so what we need to do is we need to go retrieve the wisdom for friendship for our day so that we don't carry on with a decline. And what better place to go to retrieve wisdom but God's word itself where we have the book of Proverbs written for wise living, for godly living. And so as you listen to this sermon, I want to give credit to Tim Keller. He preached a great sermon on friendship. I'm going to take his structure and I'm going to take the way that he divided up the topic and I'm going to put my spin on it with our contemporary applications. But you can go check that out. It'll be a blessing to you. And as we preach through the Proverbs, be aware that a proverb is simply a short saying that expresses a universal truth or a practical, for practical godly living. That's what a proverb is. We have a book full of them in the book of Proverbs, and it mentions friendship quite a lot. Here's just a few. Proverbs 27, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Proverbs 18, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, since Proverbs is concerned with wisdom, and since Proverbs has many Proverbs about friendship, the implication is you will not be a flourishing Christ follower living out your days with wisdom unless you are good at finding and forging and keeping terrific friends. And that's what we are talking about today. So what does Proverbs have to say about it? Well, I want to put three headings up. It teaches us about the value of friendship. It teaches us how to forge friendships with those that we value. And it gives us the power of the gospel the gospel that we need. So what value do we place on friendships? How do we forge them? And how does this actually display Jesus? And how do we need Jesus for friendship? And so those are the three headings for today. Number one, we're going into the value, the value of friendship. And I wanna ask you, what's the value that you place on friendship? Would you say it's super, super high? Would you say it's average? Would you say I place a low value? Because in the Bible, the Bible says having a friend is better than having a sibling. It says this in Proverbs 18:24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who does this, sticks closer than a brother. That's in a, in a, in a time when family was held in higher regard than today. Yet there's a, here it's saying there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Why? Because in Proverbs 17:17, 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity right? Some of you will know what it is to have adversity with your siblings. Did you just amen that? Is that a confession? Right. Well, what we see there is that when the adversity hits, your brothers, your sisters, they'll be there for you because there's blood, there's connection, there's memory. They'll come there for you when there's adversity, but they may not actually like you. They may not actually want to take you out for a drink. They might, might not want to hang with you, but a friend sticks closer than a brother because a friend has chosen you to be their person. They actually are there to stick with you, not just when the chips are down and when there's a crisis, but at all times, a friend is there. And so the value of friendship in the Bible is much higher than a sibling, incredibly so. And so it even says here, uh, a man of many companions comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks 
But that word sticks closer than a brother is also translated elsewhere, cleave. Some of you will remember this. This is the same word used for a husband must cleave to his wife. They must hold fast. And you know, in marriage, you hold fast in all kinds of times through all seasons. That's the standard. That's the value of friendship in the Bible. It's a person that sticks or cleaves to this companion uh, that's their friend in all times. Now, we've got to admit that perhaps we do not place a high enough value on friendship. It's clear from the stuff we consume that our society thinks romance is more important than friendship. Think about clickbaits. Think about the videos that you are being tempted to click on. Is it saying, guess who's friends with this celebrity? That is not a thing. It's usually guess who's sleeping with a celebrity. Even though you're not going to meet the celebrity, you're not going to meet the other celebrity, somehow people have to click on this and have to know who's sleeping with who. I'll never get it, but somehow that's a thing in society. But it shows how romance is, show, is held in higher regard than friendship. Think about the songs that have hit in the last five years. How many top songs have come in the last five years dropping beats about friendship? right? How many of them? I know that Bruno Mars is out there in 2020 with Count On Me. Shout out to Bruno Mars for at least adding one for the BFF playlist. But if we're honest with ourselves, most of the songs are about romance or sex. That's what society holds in the highest regard. Friendship's a side plot. Think about the blockbuster movies that you have consumed. How many of them have been, had a central theme about friendship versus how many of them are about romance right? Romance dominates. There's even a whole genre for that. If you need more recommendations, ask Lorelei. She'll hook you up. She knows the list. She's got it on tap. So if you need more, go chat to her. If you want friendship, there's a scroll list. I'm not sure if I can help you with that. All I know is the top movie blockbuster that actually has a central theme on friendship is The Lord of the Rings. Thank you for that. Amen. Thank you, Malcolm. For my birthday, what do we do every day of that week when Caleb was asleep, my son? We just watched the Lord of the Rings extended edition. Come on, somebody. That's it. Praise Jesus. Uh, that's what we do. In fact, I'm trying to convince my wife, if we have another child, they're going to be named after a Lord of the Rings character. Yeah? Anything more biblical than Caleb is the Lord of the Rings name, right? Even if they're named after an orc, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, but Lord of the Rings I love, but how many of you know, the romance in Lord of the Rings was actually in the appendices of the book. But then, you know Hollywood, they make a movie, now what do they do? They put that one romance that's in the appendices on the cover of the stupid movie. What is wrong with these people? The central theme of the Lord of the Rings is enduring, sacrificial, loving friendship all the way to the cracks of Mount Doom. That through it all, even if I will give my life I will give it for my friend, no matter what we go through. I love it. It's beautiful. But yet our society has completely lost the value of friendship. How stupid, considering that you will probably be the mean, the average of your five best friends in this life. What kind of value do you place? Well, the Bible says place, whatever it is, quadruple it. The Bible says place a much higher value on friendship. So that's the value. But how do we actually forge these friendships? right? How do we forge them? And that leads us to number two, the forging of friendship. Because friendships are deepened. They are maintained. They with intentionality and with investment. They aren't cheap. You don't cheaply get a bunch of great friends. They come through investment. And so how do we do that? Through three things I see in these Psalms. 
constancy. That's being there through all times. There's candidness. That's telling the truth at all times. And counsel. That's leading people that you have friends with, that you're leaving them with godly counsel. So number one, constancy, right? What does that mean? It means being faithful, dependable, and available to your friends, right? Proverbs 17, remember, a friend loves at all times. A friend's love is consistent in the good, the bad, the ugly, and the ordinary times. In a blue tick culture that says, I will deal with you when it's convenient for me, it's difficult to be friends, Friendship entails a counterculture, which is not the blue tick. It's I'm there for my friend. If they call on me, I'm there for them. And that's the difference between a friend and an acquaintance. An acquaintance is someone that's useful to you or you useful to them. But a friend, they've made you the prize of that relationship. They want you for you. But an acquaintance is useful, right? Most of the people that know you know you because you're useful to them, by the way. So either you're useful to them for getting stuff done. They might be colleagues. Or you or them, they're useful for having a good time. They're the party crowd. Or you share common interests. They're the hobby peeps, right? But whether we're talking about the hobby peeps, the party crowd, the colleagues, who's going to be there for you when your life starts falling apart and it costs a lot to be your friend? Acquaintances will say, call me if you need anything. And friends will say, can I come over? Friends love at all times. They, that is a high bar. It's constancy. It's constancy. And so as we look at this, I ask you the question, how are you doing at showing availability, loyalty, and enduring love to your friends? You can't go out until 2 a.m. playing poker with the boys. You might want to curb that in just a bit and be there for your wife, right? There's some adjustments to be made, but the adjustment can't be cheers. They're out with the old, in with the new. That's damaging, right? Friends love at all times. That includes in this stage of life. If you're, part of a, if you're a married couple, it's not good enough. That's not the only friendship that you need. You need many quality friends. It's not gonna be good enough, your holy huddle going on there. Now, as we look at this availability and the costliness of being there at all times, are you that kind of friend? And do you have those kinds of friends? That's ingredient number one. Ingredient number two is candid. Candid. What does candid mean? It means being honest, being frank, being straightforward. The Bible says this is key to friendship. It says better is open rebuke. What's a rebuke? It's a sharp correction when someone's going the wrong direction. Better is a sharp rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy, right? Have you ever thought in your heart, I love this person too much to tell them the truth? What you're really saying is, I love myself too much to deal with the fallout from this truth. Real friends care more about their friend than the repercussions that are come on themselves. In fact, if, if you are gonna hide the truth, look at the, at the psalm, there's some parallelism. What we see is rebuke is listed as a, a work of a friend. But actually hiding the truth is listed as the same thing as a work of an enemy. The same thing as how Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Profuse are the kisses from an enemy. So if you think this person's my friend because they make me feel good, because they flatter me, think again. Because it says in Proverbs 29, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. What does that mean? It means if you keep flattering people, they're going to keep walking in the view of their false sense of strengths and weaknesses 
And at some point, that false sense of strengths and weaknesses is going to lead them to fall down a ditch and a hole. Essentially, just flattering people when they are not doing well is the same thing as setting a bear trap for them in front of their feet or spreading a net. If you really care, you will really tell the truth. If you don't care, you'll say, carry on and make those mistakes. So friendship involves candidness. Are you that kind of friend that tells the truth even if it's going to cause wounds? Faithful are the wounds that come from a friend. Because they weren't said in order to hurt you. They were said to help you. They might just sting. Are you that kind of friend? What are you looking for in friendship? Do you just want a self-esteem booster? People that are your cheerleader that say, go, go, go. That's not true friendship. True friends are people that will love you enough to say, that's not going to serve you. That's, not, that's below you, my mate. R.C.H. Lenski says, it's the best and truest friend who honestly tells us the truth about ourselves, even when he knows you won't like it. False friends are the ones who hide such truth from us in order to remain in our favor. The more rich and the more powerful you become, the more you're surrounded by people that just want to get in on what you've got, and the less you've got people that actually love you for you. Take stock. Take stock. How many of your friends are truly candid with you, and how many are you truly candid with? Third ingredient, right? The cost is getting high. It's getting higher. Third counsel. Counsel, right? There's heartfelt counsel that comes from a friend. Proverbs 27, 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, right? And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. And that word earnest in the Hebrew has a connotation of it comes from the heart. That's the kind of counsel you get from a friend. Do you have that kind of vulnerability with your friends where you can share the depths of your heart, the worst of the worst, the dirtiest of the dirty, and you can come to them and say, here's how I am. Do you have counsel for me? That's, that is the kind of friendship we need. And if we have that kind of friendship, it says in Proverbs 17, 17, as iron sharpens iron, 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The only way we're going to actually get sharper is if we have true friends. And if we really allow each other in so that we can counsel each other, right? And yes, because iron is sharpening iron, there will be tension, right? Sometimes when iron is sharpening iron, the sparks are going to fly. But there's room in friendship for frustrations and fights and fallouts because that comes with the vulnerability of true friendship. If you have never had a fight with a friend, perhaps it's time to admit that they, you hold them at arm's length and you haven't let them in fully. The sparks will fly, but true friends will aim for reconciliation, for forgiveness, and to walk shoulder to shoulder, because that's what friends do. They give each other honest counsel. And so let me ask, how good are you at that? Giving encouragement, giving counsel, giving warnings to, to your friends, giving advice, giving your shoulder to cry on, because that's what it's going to need if iron is going to sharpen iron and we're going to get into the grit of true friendship. And I want to say the best place where this can happen is for you to actually join a small group. That's a place where people are engaged with truth because we gather together around the Bible. We are going to be candid on that, but people will be constant with you. You are going to be hard-pressed to find people that will be more in your corner across life's ups and downs than the people in a city group. That's why they do life together. Whether you need to go to the hospital or whether it's something to celebrate in your life, your city group will be there for you because that's what they're all about. They're invested in you. They are making a choice for you to be their person and that they're going to walk 
a road together where we give counsel, where iron does sharpen iron, where our goal is not just to affirm, our goal is to see the best that you can be, to see you flourish. City groups are the best for true friendship. If you're looking for a ground to make a true spiritual friend, there's nothing better than being in a small group. And so I'm going to be there at my station afterwards. I want to encourage you. I want to see every person that calls this church home, they're in a city group. We used to say when, we st- when God first started in our old church name, we used to say one of the cornerstones of being part of the church is joining a group. You're not part of the church if you haven't joined one. I want to say you're cutting yourself short. Be in a small group. It's going to be where you get the best friendship that you can get. Sidebar. Back to this, Ryan. Real friends invest. They forge, right? Because friendships can drift as well. We need to invest. Uh, There's a great quote by Kent Hughes that says, Today, friendship has fallen on hard times. Few have good friends, much less deep ones. Individualism, privatization, isolation, they're cultural norms. But deep, devoted, vulnerable friendship is not a norm. And this is a great tragedy for the self, the family, the church, because it's in relationships that we develop into what God wants us to be. That's why the series matters. It's in relationships that God develops us into what He wants us to be. What does He want us to be? To be an image bearer that displays the greatness of Jesus everywhere we go. And it's in relationships that that happens. And so friendships, vital, vital that we have got good friends by our side. But here's the issue. Perhaps as you've been listening to the sermon about the high bar that the Bible has on friendship, maybe you've thought to yourself, man, I don't know if I have any of these true friends. Maybe if you're like me, you've been listening and you thought, I remember that. I remember when I used to have that. Right now, I don't have any of these true friends. And I'm going to be honest, it's been a difficult preach for me to prepare because all of my best friends... Um, talk about like all the friends that really know me for me, that I've grown up with, that I've loved. All of them have left Johannesburg, right? They either go to the UK or they go to flipping Australia or they go to that, that city on the Western Cape that shall not be named with Table Mountain, right? I call these three spots the unholy trinity, <laughs> right? That's where all my friends go to disappear, and they're all there, Sydney, hi, yay, four of us together, posting on the gram, you know, having a good time. I've got my London friends, they're there together. I've got the Table Mountain crew, they're there posting. Man, I avoid social media, if not for the only reason that that's where I see pictures of my friends enjoying themselves without me. And I feel like these guys left me behind. If there's one emotion that I get over and over again about friendship is I feel left behind because I'm here in Josie. And some of you are here secretly planning to go to Australia. (laughs) Some of you are getting some visas and you don't want to tell me now that you're going to one of the unholy trinity. (laughs) If you want to come for prayer, I can pray that the Lord leads you, leads you in that regard, right? (laughs) And if you want a blessing from us, you can ask Vaughn. He can bless you. He can bless that. <laughs> Simon as well. I just feel personally too burned by the unholy trinity to bless that move, man. But here's the deal. I know that for me, it's just a personal thing, isn't it? Like, it's time for us to recognize 
that this narrative that we've been telling, it was just because of the alarm pun, you guys know. It's time for us to realize, um, you know, I've, I've, I've come to the conclusion, wrongly so, 11-11, I came to the conclusion that I'm not going to invest in friends anymore because every time I make a friend, they go to the unholy trinity. God spoke to me about that, and I'm going to talk about that at the end of this message. I'm going to say what God was uh, leading me on that. But one of the responses for some of us is, I remember that, and I long back. But another part of this is, People looking at this high profile of friendship and thinking, I feel crushed by this profile because who can measure up to that standard? And, and I think it's time for us to admit to ourselves, part of the reason we don't have the friends that our heart really needs is because we're not the kind of friends that we need to be. Perhaps the thing that we long for in friendship is because we haven't given it in friendship. But yet, in a, such a costly culture where our time is so divided, we've let this thing slide. And we need to ask ourselves, where do I get the power in my heart for this sacrificial kind of friendship? The kind of friendship where I always tell the truth, where I will give counsel, where I will be constant in their lives, be available, be, open my heart to be hurt and invest. Where do we get the power? There's only one place. It's the gospel. And that's where we get to heading number three, the gospel of friendship. That is deliberately bad grammar because we can look at the gospel through the lens of friendship because Jesus said so. In John 15, he's there with his disciples. He's going to die. And he tells them, I'm going to tell you guys, no longer do I call you servants for the servant doesn't know what the master's doing. But I've called you friends. Greater love has no one than this, than someone laid down his life for his friends. There's something incredible going on with Jesus that he says, even though he's the Lord God Almighty, that he calls you friends, that he would stoop down and say, I call you friends and I lay down my life for you. You know that proverb that we were talking about, faithful are the wounds from a friend? Well, Jesus didn't inflict wounds to tell us the truth. He had wounds that we deserved inflicted upon him because he was so faithful to us. Faithful are the wounds of Jesus so that we can be called friends. Faithful are his wounds. We turned our back on God. We've lived our life like it's about us. It's our story, man. That's what, like our timeline, it's all about me. We've turned our back on our best friend. But unlike most friends, what Jesus does with that information is he lays down his life for you and for me. This is the friend that we do not deserve. This is the friend. You want to talk about candidness, truth? Here's the truth that came in flesh. You want to talk about constancy? Here's the one who says, never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. You want to talk about counsel? Here's the one that warns us and that teaches us and that leads from his earnest, heartfelt counsel. You want to talk about a friend that sticks closer than a brother? How's about Jesus who descends into hell to face all torment and defeat the devil so that you and I can be attached to him forever? There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. And what a friend we have in Jesus. For every time we've fallen short and for all the friendships we've squandered, there is one who is a friend that was our friend, even though we've messed it all up. He's the one that has done it all. He's the one that loves you. He's the one that is gonna wants to walk a journey with you. And he is Jesus. He isn't a friend because he's our mate and because he's our equal, but because he stooped down and he treats us like the best friend we never knew we ever had. 
He's incredible, Jesus. That's what gives you and me the power is the gospel. When we consider the faithful wounds of Jesus, who is our friend, it gives us power to be selfless in our friendships. And, we, and the part of me that says, God, what the heck is with these flippant people? What's the point of having friends? They're going to go to bloody Australia. They're going to go to that place in the west of our country. They're going to go to the unholy trinity. What's the point? The more I look at the one-sidedness of how Jesus has loved me when I turn my back on him, the more I realize God is calling me to be a friend to others. The more I realize God isn't, it's not about me. It's about the fact that I've received everything from Jesus and he's asking me to pour myself out and befriend this person to the best of my ability. Not because I need to earn anything, but because I've received everything from Jesus. And so I want to ask you guys, uh, we're gonna, are we going to stay seated for baptism? We're going to stand? I don't know. Okay, so what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to ask you guys just to think about this, that the friendship with God, walking with him, is a decision. Even though Jesus did it all and he's been the ultimate friend for us, it's a decision that we have to make in our life to say, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. And so there are some people here today, lest you can jump up, bro. There's some people here today, some of them from City Crew, in fact, many of them from there, who have actually made a decision in their life to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, right? There's some people who, who know the ultimate friend that we have in Jesus. And these guys are brave. These guys are courageous. And they are deciding today to make known, to declare to everyone, friends and family alike, the decision that they've made to follow Jesus. So I want to ask you guys, get your worshipful heart on. Position yourself. Think about how epic it is, the decision that these guys have made. Get your heart ready and give it up for them as we hand over to Lest.